Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. So how many of you made New Year's resolutions? How many of you made New Year's resolutions? Don't lie. Come on. I've seen your post. Be real. Come on. I made one. Come on. I made one. You want to hear what my New Year's resolution is? I am no longer going to make New Year's resolutions. Amen? Come on. Give it up for that. No longer going to make New Year's resolutions. As we was praying this morning, um, it's not in my notes, but as I was, we was praying, I was just seeking the Lord. And, and what does it mean to go from the old to the new? And I'm just praying and praying. And all of a sudden, he gave me this, this conversation, him and I was having about the Israelites. And one of the things that happened is that when God brought the Israelites out of bondage. He was trying to take them to someplace new. He was trying to take them to a place where they would have abundance of food, abundance of wealth, abundance of meat, and all the fruit they could handle, everything pleasant, everything that was good to the eyes, all the desires of their heart. He was trying to take them to the place, but because they couldn't see where they were going, they cried and they wanted to go back to Egypt. So when God is taking us right now to something new, how many of us are crying and trying to hang on to the old? How many of us are going back to the same drug addict, to the same addictions, to the same alcohol, to the same uh, unfaithfulness? How many of us keep going back to the same old, same old, because we can't see the newness that God has prepared for us in the new year? And just like the Israelites, they cried and they moaned and they complained. But guess what God did? He still showed up. He still showed up in force. He still blessed them. He still provided for them. And some of us are complaining because we're kind of in transition. We're in between where we was, and we're not quite where we're at, and we don't know what to do. But let me tell you, don't go back to where you came from because you're going to have to start over on your journey. Amen? All things new. I want to talk about New Year's resolutions this morning. Benjamin Franklin was a founding father. He was an inventor. He was a scientist. He was a printer. He was a politician. He was a Freemason, and he was a diplomat. Benjamin Franklin helped to draft the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. He negotiated the 1783 Treaty of Paris, ending the Revolutionary War. He is best known for being the only founding father to have signed all four of the key documents establishing the United States. And if, and including the uh, U.S. Constitution. But many of you here this morning know Benjamin Franklin quite well. That's because his face is on the $100 bill. So every week when you get paid, you either say, oh my, good Lord, thank you Lord, as you look at Benjamin Franklin. And I want to point out something this morning that he said that to me speaks volumes, especially at the beginning of the new year. So among the many accomplishments of Benjamin Franklin, many accomplishments. We tend to know him by these simple words, and I quote, why put off tomorrow what you can do today? Why do we put off tomorrow what you can do today? And this is exactly what the problem is with making New Year's resolutions. We wait until January 1st to make changes in our life that we should have made a long time ago. Amen? And let's be honest, if we'd have, if we'd have made the changes we should have made then, we wouldn't have to make resolutions now. 
Everyone and their cousins posting stuff on, on Facebook. Hashtag in it to win it. Hashtag new goals. Hashtag beach body is coming. Amen. Y'all seeing that? Huh? Hashtag new year, new me. And on and on we go. We say the same thing every year. And it, you know, it's okay to make goals. It's okay to have vision. It's okay to think in the future. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. We love goals. We all make goals. And the best part about making goals is it gets, it gets our adrenaline rushing. You know, I got up this morning, and I got my gym bag, and I was telling my wife, okay, when can I go to the gym? I'm pretty busy. I got to find some time to go to the gym. Not a resolution. Just ironically, it happens to be at the first of the year that I want to go back. And I'm trying to determine when's a good time to go, what's going to be best for my family. And it's exciting, you know, very exciting. But when it's all done and said and the enthusiasm of all these New Year's resolutions that we make fades away, reality hits. We start all these prayer journals. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pray morning, noon, and night. We go buy all the new books. We buy all the pens. We start these prayer journals. We start these Bible reading plans. I'm going to stay focused this year, Lord. I'm going to get in it. I'm in it to win it. Hashtag in it to win it. I'm going to do it this year, Lord. I'm going to be my best life now. I'm going to live it. But when all the excitement's gone, the commitment level still has to be there. You can talk about it all day. But if you don't do it, nothing about it. We buy all the gym clothes. We buy new shaker cups. We look good. We talk good, but we don't have any follow-through. The excitement is there. The desire is there for the change. But when it's all done, when it's all gone, it's time that we have to do one thing. It's time to put in the work. Amen? And I believe it's good to set clear, uh, measurable goals as Christians. I believe God is honored when we persist in pursuing growth in his work. When we put our hands to the plow... And faithfully look for the prize all year long and not just in the beginning of a new year. And when it comes to the work of ministry, how do we maintain the passion to labor with God all year long? How do we lead and serve others with the commitment to build and a patience to persist? Because that's what we need to be doing. Those are the goals that we need to be making. Sorry, guys, this thing's aggravating me. It doesn't get clipped this morning. So before I go into my sermon, um, really, on New Year's resolutions, I want to talk briefly on a few key principles that will help us grow together in the new year. Because that's the only goal that we need to be making, is growing together as believers, as a body of Christ, moving forward with one mind, one goal, one vision, and one hope. Not fighting against each other, not this side against this side, but all moving in the same direction here at Light Christian Center and the church across the nation. So number one, we don't make forward progress in our Christian growth or in the work God has entrusted to us for very long without looking unto Jesus. What well, we have to remember that growth is not the goal of ministry. We get so caught up, and if we grow here, if we start this ministry, if we start this committee, if we start this program, then we're going to entice people to come here. That's not what brings people here. It's the Holy Spirit that brings people here. So if we're a spirit-filled body of believers, every, church, every chair in here should be filled because the Holy Spirit brings people in. Those are the goals that we need to have. We get so focused on the goal or the process of being productive 
that we suck the spirit right out of it. Goals are important, don't get me wrong. Vision is important, but not at the expense of forsaking the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is the goal. He is the prize. He is the one we serve. He is the one we run to. He is the one in whom I put my trust. We fix our eyes on him, not turning to the left, not turning to the right, and absolutely we are not turning back to the old ways that we used to come from. Amen? Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You have to have a biblical focus. We have, as a church, we have to have a biblical focus. But we can't have a biblical focus if we don't have a biblical knowledge. In order to have a biblical focus, that means we've got to spend time in the Word of God. In order, and you have to spend time with your Bible. Amen? Number two, it's hard to reach for the finish line when you're carrying the baggage of the past. It's hard to walk into 2019 when you've got everything that happened in 2018 like a backpack loaded down like a ton of bricks and you're dragging it with you. Drop it off. Shake off them grave clothes. Quit bringing up the past. Quit dredging up the past. And if you're bringing up the past that somebody else has done, you need to stop. They're trying to move forward. You focus on you. You move yourself forward and don't worry about somebody else's past. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. While you're carrying the baggage of 2018, you, you can't move forward. It's hard to run into your future when your baggage of your past is being dragged beside you, behind you. Let it go. Lay it aside. Forget about what was and focus on what is. Which, which you are still alive today, that means that God ain't done with you yet. Amen. It ain't over till it's over. One of my favorite verses, one of the first verses I memorize, I say it every week, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things become new. You can't have all the newness that the promised land has to offer if you keep trying to drag the old Egyptian ways behind you. you got to let go of the bondage that you once were, that once held you down, the attitudes, the, the being broke, busted, and disgusted, you know, lying, cheating, stealing. you got to let go of all that stuff, all the hurts, all the pains. You can't get your 20, new 2019 until you let it go. Leave it, that, leave it there. There's a threshold you cross over. There's a point in your life where you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm no longer going to let this, going to carry this. And sometimes what I've learned in my life that, when I can't see how many backpacks of baggage and bondage I got on me, it takes people to come alongside me to let me know, to pull these bags off, to pull this baggage, this hurt, these pains, somebody to come and pray with me. Let it go. Let it go. You cannot ever move into the newness carrying the old. Number three, it's really easy to get so caught up in our goals that we forget to seek God. Achieving goals are important, but not at the point where we quench the spirit. Going into 2019, we need a deeper hunger for the Lord. Does your heart long right now for intimacy with the Father? Do you desire to know him more, to experience his power in and through your life at a greater level? If your answer is no, what would it take to change that? What would it take to get you fired up? about Jesus Christ, that if you were the only person here, he would have died for you. And I hear all the time, 
coming from the mouths of Christians. I'll die for you, Lord. I will die for you, Jesus Christ. I'll give up everything I got, and I will die for you. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to die for me. I did that. I want you to live for me. So in 2019, are we going to live for Christ? Are we going to live for Christ? What's robbing you of your desire for God? Is it sin? Is it busyness? Look, busyness is not godliness. I hate to break it to you. You can, you can be part of every committee in the church that doesn't make you holy. Busyness is not godliness. It's, it's spiritual neglect. I found myself sometimes getting involved with things because then I don't have to address the real issue of I need quiet time with God. So if I'm busy with God, busy doing things for God, then I, don't, I can use the excuse, well, I'm tired. Well, I'm just going to take a nap because I'm serving God. Look, there's a time and there's a place where we all have to take on more than what we can handle at a certain time for a certain season. But God never intended for one person to carry it all, except Jesus Christ. Don't just go through the motions of this new year, church, without a hunger for God's word, without a hunger for God's presence. I think so many of us have a a head knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and a head knowledge of what we think the Bible says and a head knowledge of everything that everybody says, but what what we need is a heart knowledge. If we can make the longest journey that we'll ever make in our life is going from here to here. If we can get what's in here to communicate with what's here, we'll turn this world upside down. Because I know you all have desires. I know you all have hopes. I know God has given you all visions and dreams for ministry, but why ain't we doing it? Why ain't we doing it? No goal is worth reaching without God. No goal is worth reaching without God. Number four, bad relationships, especially with church members, will stop you from growing into the new year because it hinders God's will and elevates your will. Be quick to forgive one another, church. It's okay. We all have differences. I don't expect everybody to agree on everything, but we can be cordial about it. We can love each other about it. We can talk about it. We can pray about it, and we can move forward and not have a hindrance or a block that's stopping us from feeling God's presence because you're mad at me or because I'm mad at you. It's unnecessary. As a church moving forward, we've got to get past that. And I mean it not just here, but everywhere. Everywhere, everybody's doing it. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be the same here. God didn't call us to be like every other church. He called us to be sanctified and set apart and different. And that includes everybody that's in here. Be quick to forgive. Forgive the bitterness. Forgive the anger. All the hurts. Forgive, forgive, forgive. I can't, that's the hardest thing I had to learn in my life is to forgive. And not so much always for them, but for you. So you don't have to carry this baggage from the old life into the newness. Forgive. Forgive one another. 1 Peter 1.22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. How do you love one another fervently with a pure heart? You talk to them. You spend time to them with them. If you got something against them, you go and talk to them. Say, hey, I didn't like that you said this. Can we talk about it? It hurt my feelings. Maybe you, you need to you know, quit wearing your feelings on your sleeve. Maybe they shouldn't have said it. Who knows? Talk about it. Pray about it. But let it go. Do it with a pure heart, with pure intentions. 
love one another, serve one another. And when we get to that point where we're all in one accord, we're all in love, we're all serving, we're all happy, guess what? We're going to have two services in this church because that's what people are seeking. They want to be somewhere where they feel loved, where they feel appreciated, where we can all be in one accord. Amen. Number five, make a commitment to finish. Oh, how many times have we started and quit? How many times have you start, decided you were going to quit smoking and quit and then go down to the next door and start again? We don't always see immediate results, and because of that, it slows us down. And if we're only working for results, we're going to be disappointed every time. If the only thing you're working for is results, you will be disappointed every single time. Amen? The prize goes to the faithful, as the Apostle Paul says. But, but let me tell you the little secret about the prize. Let me tell you the little secret about the goals that most of us never really pay attention to. That if you don't get started, you ain't never going to finish. You don't have to wait to January 1st to get started with your spiritual walk. Because it's already the third or the fourth. So if you're going to wait to the whole new year, most of our New Year's resolutions that we've made have already been busted. I'm just saying. Here, here's a thumbs up for 2020. We'll give it another run, right? We'll try it again. If you don't ever get started, you won't ever finish. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which were behind, the old stuff like 2018, all the hurt, all the pain, all the failures, all the brokenness, leaving that stuff behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, which is 2019 coming forth, moving forward, the new goals, the new hope, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What are you pressing forth today? Did you set goals this week? It had to be a resolution. Did you set goals for your new year? Did you write them down? It's always good to write your stuff down so you can look back on them. I'm, I'm so, I write more stuff down than I should. If you ever got a hold of my journals, you could probably put me in prison. <laughs> Crucify me. I write more stuff down than I should. But it's good because you can look back and you can say, okay, that was of God. That definitely wasn't of God. You know? Sometimes we miss the mark. But don't ever give up. Don't ever give in. Don't ever go back to your Egypt because you don't understand where you're going. Just because you can't see what's in front of you, just because you can't see around the curb, doesn't give you the right to stop and quit and go back or complain. Stay steadfast. Ephesians 6, when Paul says, when I've done all I could do to stand, sometimes you just got to stand. Even if the storm's raging, even if it's blowing in your face, and everybody in the world is against you, you stand still when God is speaking to you because he's got a way, he's got a plan, and he's moving you. Amen. Now, who included any of that in your New Year's resolution? I didn't because I didn't make one. Like I said, my New Year's resolution is that I'm no longer going to make a New Year's resolution. But you know who loves January 2nd? You know who loves January 2nd? All the fitness centers in America. Amen. They love the day after January 1st because that's when all the New Year's resolutionists show up in force. Got their new shaker cups, got their new yogas, got their new shirts and pants, and they're going to get it as hard as they can. I'm not knocking you if that's you. 
Go get it. Be your best you in the gym. But remember, when all the excitement wears off, there's still the commitment there. You should have started back when instead of now. They're going to get their new year, new me body that they've been dreaming about all winter. But if we're absolutely honest, if we started when we should have, then we would have already met our goals before the New Year's Day. But we always, we always put off until tomorrow what we can do today. So I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, why not now? Why not now? Why do we keep putting off tomorrow what we could be doing today? Why do we keep putting off what God is calling us to do today until tomorrow? Why not now? I know God is calling me to outreach. I know he's put it in my heart. Why am I not doing it? How come I'm putting it off until tomorrow? There's souls out there right now that are waiting for somebody in this church to come and say, hey, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Been, uh, uh, last summer, me and Daryl went over here underneath the bridge, and there was this man that was there, and some of you, Dwayne knows him. He had this uh, cancer on his face, his, this whole big pile of cancer on his face. But we had the opportunity to pray with him. He was already saved, but he was so broken. Nobody would talk to him. He said, you know, you're the first person that stopped and talked to me. Nobody would talk to him. He was scared. He was tired. He was hurting. He was in pain. He passed away. Thank God he was saved. And thank God we had an opportunity to at least tell him that we love him. There's somebody out there that needs to hear your voice. There's somebody out there that needs to see you. We all have a story. We all have a thing that God has brought us through that somebody else can learn from. That's the only part of our old past that we need to bring forth as our testimony when we're trying to uplift somebody else, not to glorify sin or Satan, but to glorify God on what was is different from what is. Amen? I know God is calling me to a deeper walk with him, but I'm just not ready to commit yet. Maybe tomorrow church. Maybe tomorrow. Why not now, huh? I'm asking you, why not now? What are you waiting for? Maybe it's not something God is calling you to do that you keep putting off, but rather maybe it's a drug addiction. Well, I'll quit tomorrow. I'll quit doing drugs tomorrow. I'll start over tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll ask for help. Tomorrow I will make a stand. I'll quit looking at all these things that defile me tomorrow. I'll quit cheating on my spouse tomorrow. I'll quit drinking alcohol tomorrow. I'll start looking for a job tomorrow. I will forgive my brother tomorrow. Everything is tomorrow. We either talk about the days that once were, or we talk about the days that are going to be, but we never talk about the now. We never talk about the present moment that we live in. We're always living in the past, or we're living in the future, but why not now? Church, why not now? What's my point? My point is, tomorrow never comes. I'm sure y'all figured that out by now. Tomorrow never comes. We lay around, we indulge in our lives, we dream about tomorrow and all the changes we plan on making, but we never put action behind our thoughts or desires. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We spend so much time talking about the future. I'm going to do this in the future. I'm going to change this in the future. And we brag as if we have control that we're even going to live another breath. What are you planning for now? What are you planning for now in your life? 
In other words, we procrastinate. Procrastination has, through every generation, been the ruin of mankind. Even more so now, with these squawk boxes that we call cell phones, we have access to every single thing we want. Obesity in America is on the rise. Laziness in America is, is higher than it's ever been. Why? Because everything we need is at our fingertips. Everything we need is at our fingertips. We procrastinate. Well, when I get done looking at this, when I get done checking this out, when I get done checking up on, on Samantha on her Facebook, well, she doesn't have Facebook, so that's why I use her as an example. When I get done looking at all the stuff that she's posting, then I'll go and do something. And before you know it, you spent two hours on social media when you could have been outside running around your house, which is better for you, by the way. And so you might ask, Men and women alike wait until the last minute to go to the doctors, and oftentimes it's too late, and the diagnoses could have been different had we not waited. We procrastinate. We put everything off. When we know there's a dirty load of laundry, instead of waiting and doing it, we wait. And then we end up with a house full of laundry, and then we complain. If we would have done it when we should have done it, amen? Some addictions you have today, the same addictions you have today, you're going to have tomorrow unless you deal with them today. The same bad attitude you have today, you'll have tomorrow unless you deal with them right now, today. Amen? The same level of broke you are today, you're going to have tomorrow unless you start giving today. Listen to me. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is never going to come. Today is all you got, church, so make it count. Make it count. Quit wasting your today hoping for tomorrow because it's not guaranteed that you're even going to have another breath, that you're even going to wake up in the morning. Proverbs 6, 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a rubber and want like an armed man. So what this verse is saying is how long Will you keep laying there in your slumber? At what point will you say enough is enough? At what point will you say enough is enough and get up and make a move in the right direction? So many of us are sitting back in our lazy boy recliners with our hands folded, with one eye open, doing absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God. God has put in every person in here, in this nation, across the globe, a gift, a talent to use for God, for his kingdom, for promoting Jesus Christ, and we're sitting at home doing one thing with it, and it's wasting away. It kind of makes me think of the parable where the guy took the talent that God gave him and buried it in the sand, and when he come back, God said, take what he has and give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else who is faithful and I can assure you with absolute surety, the enemy will sneak into your house and he will destroy not only your gift, but he'll destroy you. He's coming for you. He's coming for your family. He's coming for your children. He's coming for your job. He's coming for your health. He's coming for your finances. And what are we doing to fight against it? Oh, we go to church on Sunday? Is that enough? Is that enough? We come to church and hear the word of God for one hour and we think that's enough to fight against an enemy that never sleeps like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? It's not enough, church. Two things I want you to remember from this. Number one, while you're resting, while you're sitting back letting everyone else do all the work, while you're living your best life now, 
while you're sleeping instead of working. Someone is out there reaping all the rewards that should be coming to you because they're doing now what you're putting off till tomorrow. Somebody is reaping all your rewards because they're doing now what you're putting off for tomorrow. Can you hear me? Number two, while you're resting, while you're sitting back and taking it easy, letting your enemy, like a roaring lion, who's walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. You ever watched the lion? You ever watched National Geographic? Who do the lions go after? The lazy ones. The pump ones. I would be the one that he goes after. The plump, the thick, heavy boned, however you want to call it. I don't want to offend nobody. I'm just saying. That's who he goes after, the slow ones. And oftentimes he goes after the stupid ones. Really? Because we think we, because some of the stupid sheep think they can be friends with the lions. And you can't. Listen, it's the slowest swimmer and the pack of swimmers in the water that the shark eats. All I got to do is swim faster than Danny, and I'm good. <laughs> I just got to swim faster than Danny, and the shark's going to get him and not me. Does that make sense? I don't know if that's scripture or not. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow will never come. Today is all you got. Make it count. Make it count. Make it count, church. So when you look up one day and all hell's broken loose in your life, ask yourself, what have I put off for tomorrow that I should have already done today? What have I put off for tomorrow that I should have already done today? Don't wait until your marriage is falling apart to start praying for it. Why not now? Why aren't you getting up every morning, giving your first fruits of your time, of your, of your voice to God in prayer, pleading over your marriage? Because the divorce rate among Christians is higher than the divorce rate among secular humans. What kind of example are we setting? Are you praying for your marriage? Are you waiting until it goes bad to start praying for it? Why do we wait till our kids get in trouble with the law to start praying over them? Start praying now. Start praying now. Get on your knees. If you spend your first 30 minutes of your time praying for your family, your children, your wife, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, I guarantee you your life will be changed. Quit praying and asking God for things and start praying for asking God for protection. We don't need things. We can't take things with us. Don't wait until your kids are in prison to start praying for them. Why not now? Don't wait until you're broke, busted, and disgusted to start praying for your finances. Why not now? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Do you understand that? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. You can't change what has happened up until this moment, but you can change what happens in the future. That is, if God allows us to see another day. So why ain't we living like it? Why ain't we living like our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Why ain't we living like we're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Why ain't we living like we're kingdom kids? Amen? We're not. Act like it. We need to talk like it. We need to live like it. Listen to me. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I'm going to wear that phrase out this year. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Say it with me. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Now say it like you mean it. Nothing changes if nothing changes. We can buy all the workout clothes we can afford, but if you don't work out in them, nothing changes. Amen? Seriously. 
you can go and spend $100 a week on grilled chicken and salad, but if you don't eat it, what, is, what happens? Nothing changes. We can walk around all day holding this Bible, amen? But if we don't read it, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And what I think happens to us, church, is that we live our life based on our intentions. Mm. We live our life based on our intentions, on our intentions. We get this idea of change, and we think about it. We post about it. The idea of it makes, makes us happy, but it never becomes nothing more than a thought. Never becomes nothing more than a thought. We want to lead outreach. We want to tell everybody we want to, but nothing ever happens. What in the world are we waiting for? What in the world are we waiting for? If God called you to outreach, get out there and outreach. You don't need permission. That's one thing Pastor told me when I was telling him, was I supposed to go out and talk to this guy on the corner in the streets? He, and the first thing he said was, did somebody tell you you couldn't? He said, no. So okay then. Always assume you can. Always assume you can. It's better to shoot and miss, church, than never shoot at all. And here's what needs to happen. We need to separate our attentions from our actions. We need to go home. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to make a list of all the things that we thought about doing, all the things that we want to do, and then make a list of all the things that we've actually done and compare them and see which one wins. I guarantee you the intention side is going to win. So let's work more harder this year on the goals and the things that God has called us for to set forth and not on the intentions, but let's do it. Let's put some action behind our works. Let's put some faith, some works behind our faith, and let's move forward. Let's press forward, and let's stop looking back, dragging the old, and let's move into the new. When you put off for tomorrow things that you could have done today, you lose big time. You lose big time. Because what I've realized is when I'm not doing what God called me to do, he's going to raise somebody else up. And not only are they going to receive their rewards, they're going to receive mine. So they're actually getting a double portion. And I've got to be quite honest. I'm tired of y'all doubling up on me. Y'all getting all the double portions, so I'm in it. I'm, I'm, I'm up in the game a little bit. Huh? Y'all better grab onto the coattail. Come on. We in it to win it, right? Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Are you familiar with Elisha Gray? Probably not. I wasn't either. But I'm sure you've heard of Alexander Graham Bell, the man who invented the telephone. Well, Elisha Gray, he was a Chicago electrician who filed a patent application for the telephone two hours after Alexander Graham Bell did. Procrastination. A small delay of only two hours cost Elisha Gray fame and an enormous fortune. It's no wonder that Ecclesiastics counsels us not to procrastinate, that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. All that's saying is that use what's in your hand because you never know when you're going to die. And when you do die, you can't use the gifts that God has given you. 
urgency is reflected in this pearl of wisdom because so many have already discovered that tomorrow is never guaranteed. We was at um, Walmart yesterday, me, my wife, and my kids, and we were walking down the middle aisle, and we were coming up to the front where the uh, handicap parking is, and I was looking this way, and the store's in front of us, and we heard this crash. And I immediately flipped around, and there was this older gentleman who had passed out in his car and punched the gas and ran into the car that was in front of him. But what's ironic about this whole story is the car that he hit was parked in the yellow stripes illegally. Had that not car not been there, he would have taken out me and my whole family. You never know when your time is up. So why do we wait? And I praise God for that guy that parked illegally. I'll never talk bad about him again. <laughs> Ever. I might even try it myself. <laughs> he parked illegally, and because somebody broke the law, all things work together for the good, guys. Listen to me. They broke the law. The guy ran into the car. He would have, I promise you, the impact that he had when he hit that car would have killed all, if not some, of my family. It was scary. We even stopped and helped the guy. He was so confused. Urgency is reflected in this wisdom because many of us have already discovered that tomorrow is never guaranteed. The point is that you have to catch a hold of the time that's coming towards you because after it's passed, there's nothing left to grab. When God calls us to a specific task, we need to respond by doing it what? By doing it now and doing it well. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, jump in with both feet, hang on for the ride, and let's see where God is going to take you. Throw everything into whatever God gives you to do and take whatever God has put into your hands and use it without delay and without reserve and do it for the Lord. Amen. In Genesis chapter 22, Abraham and Isaac went to the top of Mount Moriah. God put into Abraham's hand two things, a son and a knife. And Abraham was willing to use the knife on his only son to please God. And it wasn't the fact that he was just being obedient and going to kill his son, but you had to understand that Isaac was a promise. Through him, all the nations of the earth were going to come, all the Jews. Everybody was going to come through him. And even when we don't understand the plan and the purpose that God has given us, we still need to be obedient. We still have to be faithful. And he was. And God delivered him. In David's hand, God put two things. He put a small sling and a small bag holding five smooth stones. And it, it didn't look like much against Goliath. All the people laughed at him. They even tried to put Saul's armor on David. But God didn't put it on him. God equipped David with a gift, with a talent. He was a slinger. He was one of the best in the business. And that's what God used. And it didn't look like much against his life, but it was all that David needed. Listen to me. Why? Because God was on his side. So whatever God has put in your hands this morning, God is on your side. God is on your side. God placed only one thing in the hands of Moses, a rod. When God asked Moses, what is it in your hand? He said, it's just a rod. What do you mean it's just a rod? I'm only good at working on cars. I'm only good at playing the guitar. I'm only good at baking cakes. All I can do is clean, Lord. 
It's not just a rod. It's something that God gives you. What is in your hands this morning, church? Whatever it is, use it for God. Do you hear what I'm saying? When Moses cast it down, according to God's instructions, it became a serpent in the symbol of God's authority in Moses' life. And that's always been God's question to his people. And it's his question to you today. What do you have in your hand? Whatever you have in your hand today, is it a frying pan? Is it a computer? Is it a vehicle? Is it a Bible? Is it a broom? Whatever. Whatever's in your hand. He's looking for you to use it now and with all your might. Quit waiting for tomorrow and quit living in the past. Use what you have now to glorify God. Because if you live in the past, you're going to die in the past. And if you live in the future, your life is going to pass you by. But if you live in the now, you will live a wonderful, God-filled life. There was a man who was walking along at the local zoo, and as he was passing by the elephants, he noticed that the elephant was only tied by this little bitty rope around his leg. And in absolute amazement, he said, what, what is going on here? Let me go find the, the, the trainer. And he ran up to the trainer and he said, hey, I've noticed that this elephant is only tied by a little rope around his leg. There's no cages. There's no giant fences. There's no chains, just a small rope tied to his front leg. And it was obvious that the elephant could leave at any time. And he said, well, when they're very young, and a lot smaller, we use that same size rope to tie them down. And at that age, it's enough to hold them. And as they grow up, however, they are conditioned to believe they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them. So they never try to break free. And this man was totally amazed. These animals could at any time break free from their bonds, but because they believed they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were, like, and just like the elephants. How many of us go through life hanging onto a belief that we cannot do something just because we've tried it and failed it before? How many of us are still hanging on to a failure in our past, and it didn't work out? I've tried preaching first one time before. It lasted 12 minutes. didn't work. But the dream was still there. The call was still there. It took work. It took practice. It took time, and it took dedication. How many of you are being held back by the old, outdated beliefs that no longer serve you? How many of us have avoided trying something new because our beliefs are limited? And even worse, how many of us are being held back by the limits someone else put on us? When I was growing up, every male in my family told me I would never amount to anything. I would be in prison before I was 18, and that prophecy came true. But they said I would never be nothing more than a thug, a punk, a smart mouth, a thief. Let me tell you something. When God gets a hold of you, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Come on. It doesn't matter what you've done. When God sets all things new, it doesn't matter. Haters are going to hate, people. There's always going to be somebody that don't like you. There's always going to be somebody to try to bring you down. But what God has set in place is who you are. Your identity is in him, not what they've said. Amen, amen, amen. Look, what you can conceive and what you can believe, you can achieve. 
Don't accept false boundaries and limitations created by the past. Stop letting your past hold you back. Quit feeling inadequate because of what you've done. Everybody's made mistakes. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23, 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. David was a murderer. David committed adultery. Look what he did. Look who came through the loins of David, his son, Solomon, the wisest, richest man in the world. Look at Jonah. He had a call on his life. He was the anointed prophet of God, and he ran. He made a mistake. God still used him. God still used him. Stop waiting for the perfect time to get involved, because I'm going to tell you something that I've learned from experience. There's never a perfect time. Stop waiting for everything to be perfect to make a change because it never will be. Quit looking at what other people are doing because you're not called to do what they're doing. You're called to do what you do. Amen. Use what's in your hands until what you have in your hands changes. And stop putting off for tomorrow what you know God is calling you to do today. Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.